0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome, Carm Capriato, the service aftermarkets podcast pioneer. Join me each week for aftermarket insights from my guest host and an industry first, a virtual shop tour use the industry's premier podcast as your personal networking resource and as always know that you'll learn one thing the video for this show is on the aftermarket weekly page on remarkableresults.biz or on my YouTube channel jeff grassman car smart auto service from uh, sumner sumner washington good to have you here jeff we're going to get a great tour of your shop we're going to talk a little about business uh, thanks for being here everyone to continue your Constant learning curve because you hang out with us as we advance the aftermarket. Thank you, Dorman, for hanging out with us here today. Dorman may be an auto parts manufacturer, but they are more than that. Not only do they design, program, manufacture, and test their own innovations, but hold them to the highest industry standards with you in mind. Dorman focuses on improving the OE in a way that saves installation time and improves on the functionality of the part. Dorman's process is very straightforward with their top-tier team of engineers. They quickly reverse-engineer the OE and start performing rigorous rounds of testing until it's just right. Depending on the part type, there are multiple tests that a part can go through. These include but aren't limited to tensile strength training, salt-fog corrosion testing... A million sequences of life cycle testing and extreme temperature performance. Hey, want to learn more? Visit their virtual tour online at dormanproducts.com forward slash tour. Hey, thank you so much, Dorman. Appreciate that. Hey, Jeff, I want to thank you for a recent episode that you were on Uh, flat rate versus salary. It was a debate. And you really brought some great insights, some great insights. So thank you so much for that. I really encourage everyone to look in your stack of episodes from Remarkable Results. So fun. It was so much fun and it was really profound. Hopefully will motivate you uh, to get better. At whatever you do, however you pay your guys, but just to get better at it. Hey, listen, let's uh, you and I do some chit chat about things that are going on in your world. Did you recently move from a from a big city to a small one, small town?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say big city, but it was definitely like a hundred thousand people. It was a, a town north of us in a completely different county that is the largest populated county. We went from there. We were there about seven years, uh, and we uh, left that building and moved uh, south just a little bit. I'd say. We call it the chiropractor distance. It's about 25 minutes. So just far enough, if you moved from your chiropractor, you probably wouldn't drive that far uh, in our area. And so our customers didn't follow us. We only had about 15% maybe follow us um, out of our database. So we ended up having to learn in this smaller town of 10,000 people how to like coexist and market and try to earn trust. On a, on a main street that's 25 miles an hour versus a pretty major highway that was, you know, 40, 45. So what, it was quite a learning curve.
0: What was the reason for the move, Jeff?
1: The lease was up in that building. They didn't want to renew it. And and those things happen. We just didn't have a plan B. We just didn't think that was going to happen. So we had a short period. But, you know, there was another door open. We ended up purchasing it a couple of years later. Now it's a better fit. It's a larger footprint. It just was supposed to be like that. It's all good.
0: Did your people come with you?
1: They did. But uh, again, uh, some of them had to commute a little farther, which, you know, back in my day, that really didn't matter. It matters now. And uh, some stuck it out. And so that was in 2013. And we have a completely different crew right now than we did um, then. So we've retooled.
0: So you retooled. And I know you're very passionate about your pay program. What's going on with your technician efficiency?
1: All three of our techs are A-level master ASC certified techs, and they've been in the industry for uh, a while now. And they are all over 150 cent efficiency for a 12-month period. And right now, they're living in the 165% efficiency. It is summer, a little bit more work, probably easier to get the efficiencies. But uh, on a blend, it's it's just outrageous to look at it and see how efficient they are with uh, a very low
0: comeback rate. It's amazing to have that level of efficiency. do they work together as a team
1: yeah it's a it's a phenomenon obviously flat rate uh, you know definitely promotes individualism it promotes uh, individual performance, but we also talk about how you know the team has to win too, and it sounds good. We have all tried it as owners you know the team has to win, but really just working hand in glove the uh, what great thing about having three a level techs that I never thought uh, into before was there are ceilings or limits for each one. And right now we have a blend of whatever they're not strong in, somebody else will be strong in. So that, that forces collaboration in a good way. And, and they all get along good. There's no, you know, any crazy stuff going on. It's just normal frustration, but uh, also, uh, good banter back and forth. And they can choose their own radio stations too. That's pretty, uh, pretty important nowadays to where, where they're, they're pretty individualized, but they have fun.
0: I heard a great story about service advisors, multiple service advisors on the counter and someone coming in, walking in off the street and saying, listen, I need some tires. And the service advisor who took care of this customer, who was the first to greet them, said, look, it, uh, Bob over here is really good with tires. He knows tires inside and out. I'm going to yield and I'm going to tell Bob to come over and help you. And so to your point, you got to know what your strengths are and play to them.
1: Yeah, and and we have to consider like if if the business doesn't win, we're not first seat, but if it doesn't win, then pretty soon it affects your paycheck, no matter how individual you are, no matter how many numbers you put up, eventually we'll either lose quality advisors because we can't pay them well, which means that individual that's really killing the numbers the won't get as many build hours sold. So it, we just gotta understand that we spend more time here than we do at home. So uh we gotta make it fun, but we also have to you have to have the big goal in mind.
0: You were chatting me about an interior designer. What did you mean by that?
1: My wife had hired an interior designer when we moved into this town, you know, about four years ago, just to give us a footprint, not necessarily to buy a bunch of stuff from her, but for her to organize the house we were going to move in. Like, hey, this is, this is where this stuff should go. And ironically, she's a customer of mine. She came in one day. She looked frustrated. She looked like she'd been walking. It was summer. I couldn't figure it out. Nice lady and she says i was just at the honda dealer I was there 5 hours and and she was just giving me a story about about the dealer and then she goes and then besides all that they have a horrible interior designer like it just looks terrible in there and we laughed and i says hey you know if you ever want to take a shot at uh, a blank canvas we have this room uh, right here and sure enough she took me up on it uh, i paid her for her services her and her business partner came they drew up a plan Uh, picked out all the furniture and we did it just like they said, and we get so many compliments, but it it really is more than the compliments. It actually smells good. It feels like the small town we're in, Uh, not somebody else's small town, it's ours. And so they have a shop on Main Street too. So it's kind of cool to do business with them.
0: I love that story. And we're going to be able to see uh, in the tour here today, the results of your collaboration with her the interior designer would you have thought of an interior designer
1: no i had it in my head what i thought it should be like this kind of a floor you know clean walls i knew that but i probably would have hung a lot of ac delco and motorcraft signs and uh who knows maybe even a battery display or or who knows what i would have done i probably would have done all that and she's like no this is how it works and how they designed it is so much so much better and so again she couldn't fix her own car So she brought it to us. And I can't fix our interior design. And she, she brought that to us. So it's good.
0: I know Tracy's in the background producing this show. And I have a little message for Tracy. I think mom can really do this stuff great. So we got to get mom to go around to shops and help them make their lobby or their waiting room more appealing. That is great, great takeaway. It's, it's, it's huge. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Hey, we had a lot of great new listens Today, a great episode came out with Bob Cooper and Bill Greeno. It's really a phenomenal episode as uh, we, and this is part one, by the way, of customer perceptions. I think you're really, really going to like it. Matt Fonslow, control what you can control with Hawk and Light. phenomenal episode with Matt. He always knocks it out each and every week. And with Hunt Emerist, how much is your business worth? Believe you me, that's an episode that's a must listen, no matter if you're buying or you're selling. And Kim and Brian Walker, what's your story? Uh, Talking video with Patrick Egan. Patrick's a great guy and does a whole lot of video for the industry. So great stuff. Appreciate all that great work. Now let's get inside and take a look at your shop. Jeffrey, I can't wait to see that interior design lobby. Let's go.
1: The outside's been uh, converted a few different times through the years before we got in there. But this used to just be a storage stall Uh, And we found out there was an opening there. And we gutted it, drywalled it. um, And this is the interior design. The, The brick pillars is what I wanted to talk about. That's part of the original footprint from 1932. And this is where they actually used to pull engines was in this stall. It was a one stall shop in 1932. And so we kept a lot of the, the the character in it. There's a beam on the top with a a block and tackle. We kept that in place and and so forth. But yeah, we just sheetrocked it out, put some uh, industrial carpet in there, put a a brand new window on the street side. Uh, it's a bistro table where they can do uh, work. You know, we have free Wi-Fi, obviously. And then that's our service advisor counter. It's just long, and that's really what it's about is uh, uh, them to be comfortable. You know, air conditioned, heated. We can see all the stalls in the camera there, like what cars are in the bays.
0: Is the whole entire complex 90 years old or just this section?
1: Just this section. It's 800 square feet. And that was built in 1932. It was the first service station in the the town. So we looked all this stuff up. It was just fascinating to me.
0: Did she offer you the suggestions as to the kind of counters that you would have also?
1: I told her I wanted a requirement. I wanted them high enough to where uh, the people could lean on them uh, when they're standing there and then also i wanted storage in the back but everything else she came up with where to put my logo sign and and all those things and yeah that way they can kind of hide all their monitors and equipment behind that they call it village i had to learn this so it's called the village farmhouse look that kind of thing but i told her i wanted a contemporary spin on it and uh, the reason why is because our logo is contemporary retro so that's an old buick uh, gas station sign and so we put ours in. So the you can see the contemporary in there. So like those chairs, they look like a upholstered uh, 50s truck or something like that. But they thought of all this, I didn't. So that's kind of what we did. So this is the back shop. So it has a low ceiling. They they have cinder block. They added this in the 50s, three stalls. And because it uh, turned into Sumner Towing, that's the name of the company. So they had three stalls. It's all cinder block and it has a lower ceiling. So we ended up having to find lifts that had an open top, uh, lift them, and then we ended up finding a, a low rise scissor lift right there on the left. We do flat work there, you know like heater cores dash work, but yeah, we had to try to maximize, took some benches, put them down the middle you know it 's not perfectly clean, but we 're trying to jam now This was built in the we believe in the eighties it 's just an old pole building, but it 's tall, three stalls, and this is called the the front shop. This is where we keep all of our equipment, you know flush equipment, oils, and stuff are all in just this little cubby. And then we have one lift outside that we put in. This was our original lift when we started the business in 06. We've rebuilt it a lot, but it's just a good flat stall when it's not raining. We have a front-end alignment machine with a scissor lift right there. uh, And then uh, two techs working side by side. And uh, on this side here, one's a 14,000 pound, the other one's a 10, uh, 12-foot door. So yeah, this was my old office right there. You can see the floors discolored. And uh, I had to rip it out when we hired the third A-level tech because we need to give them a real stall. And so I decided to de- demolish it. And I'm still a little bitter about that. It was a nice office, had a golf simulator in it, you know, that kind of thing. So those days are gone.
0: Did I count seven bays?
1: You did, seven lifts, so uh, six inside. Uh, and they use the, our medium duty guy just loves that outside lift. And uh, so obviously when it's pouring down rain or snow, we don't. Parking lots, a couple different lots that's put together and we rent uh, parking on the other side, that back building there, uh, overflow parking. You know, we can't put lipstick on a pig, but what we did is try to make it look good as we can and as functional. And I think it helps when the owner comes from a technical background. As far as uh, you know, toolboxes, as you can see, we're just loaded with boxes and, and storage. And we're always purging every year we have to purge. This is a side street we have, put a little wood accent on it just to try to
0: soften the building. Are you pulling new customers to support the size of this place?
1: Really what we found is, is this is no different than a restaurant industry. It's like put our, our, our stamp in what we do. Over time, the word gets out. We do offer a customer referral program to every customer. They come in, they get, uh, hey, on the back of our card, uh, $40 off your neighbor. If they come in and then we load 25 on your account. You know, it's a pretty normal customer, uh, referral program. So word of mouth, uh, and then learning the industry locally, food banks across the street, uh, the high schools right, right down the road and, just getting involved not overly financially but being there be supportive giving teachers a, a break on uh, on uh, on some of the work that we do for them and uh, just just trying to be part of the community that was the difference at the other location is we supported little league t-ball all that stuff but we didn't live there that's not a requirement but we weren't all in we we live a mile and a half from the shop and uh, our kid goes to school here um and we shop here on purpose and we are part of the community. It took a while though, uh, to know to make that happen. It didn't just happen overnight. It took like three, four years and you know, wear my my car smart gear everywhere. Now what happens is is we had to get the quality people. So you bring them in if you do shoddy work or you have a tech that's off or advisor not communicating, you know, that all comes out in reviews, right? Um and then it's really just tightening the systems and getting people to see like every sentence matters, every Nut and bolt matters. All that stuff matters for us to stay in business. If we turn into robots, we'll have robot customers. If we turn into communication with customers, you know, even people that don't communicate very well, they'll they'll want to have a conversation with you. And we are. I just try to always tell our employees. I go, Hey, do you own a home? And they say, Yeah. Someday a roofer is going to come out. And they're going to bid on your house. You're going to need to communicate. There's going to be a price. Uh, you guys will have to agree on that price. And then you know that's just kind of part of being in, in our area. And I go, this is the same way. People are coming in. Uh, we want to agree on stuff, and, uh, but we want to, we want to over-deliver. And to over-deliver, we have to pay attention to our customers. But the advisors have to know the techs are their customer, and the techs have to know that the advisors are their customers. So you don't get out of the circle.
0: Great uh, philosophy. Thank you. You said you had a technical background. Are you just saying that in the industry, you were more of a tech
1: Yeah, I just came up as a tech. We could debate whether I was a great tech or not, but I definitely knew the flat rate system well. And I went back to school in my mid-30s. And so it was an opportunity just to kind of get a fresh start on things. And and, uh, I went to technical school for automotive and uh, got into uh, uh, two amazing dealerships, one right after the other. And they were just a GM and then a, a, a Dodge. And they were fast, just amazing dealers. So the perception of dealers don't know what they're doing. I just happened to land in some amazing Places. And then, you know, after a couple of years of that, we saw a business that had shut down and, you know, hawked our house like every smart American does and borrowed some money and quit my job. And, and here we go. My wife uh, doesn't work here. Um, she has a, a, we call it a regular job. It's been exciting. She's retiring after 25 years here in a, another month. And so we're excited to have her come on board just to, to do whatever she needs to do. But yeah, we're, it's a good, good year for us.
0: Anything that you learned from your dealer experience that you brought to your business? The
1: dealer has a really good way of, the ones I worked out, how about that, of contacting their customers when they were uh, due for service. That was a big thing. So getting them used to investing in their cars and then having, obviously at a dealer, they have access to pretty high quality parts and how that pays out uh, long-term. But also the, uh, watching the advisors uh, from a technical point of view, uh, just communicate Communicate with customers. They're dressed nice, button-down shirts. You know, they have slacks on, and it's just a different way of talking and addressing people. Um, and then, obviously, I believe dealers outfit their shops well with equipment, tools. I just think they do a really good job. So when I put all that together, um, and we tried to do it on our own, I wouldn't say I flipped it to a dealer world. What I did is I like cherry pick the things that I thought were were really important.
0: Well, I love it. Thank you so much for that, uh, Jeff. Grassman from Car Smart Auto Service, Sumner, Washington. This is on my YouTube channel as soon as we say goodbye here today, so you can watch it. Send your friends to uh, check out uh, Jeff's Place. Catch all of our episodes on your favorite podcast listening app. We do this each and every week, sponsored by Dorman. It's Aftermarket Weekly from the Remarkable Results Radio Podcast Studio and the Aftermarket Radio Network. Thanks, Jeff.
1: All right, Carm. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.